welcome. My name is Meridian Baldacci. I'm the Director of Strategy at Family Policy Alliance, and we are so glad you're watching today. Um, as you know, this is the first anniversary of the Dobbs decision that came out last year, the decision that really, in many ways, I think rocked a lot of people's worlds. Um, many, many, especially for those of us in the pro-life movement in a very good way, um, knowing that at last the grip of Roe v. Wade was not over our nation. Um, and of course, that has a lot of implications for life, not only in terms of how we think about policy. I think that's the immediate thing that people will think about, uh, but also in terms of how that actually impacts real people, how it actually saves real lives um, and how it actually protects real women. So today we're going to be talking about that impact, just the, the one year impact of Dobbs and what, what what's happening going forward on both the policy and the people front. Uh, so to talk about that, I am joined by two wonderful women. Uh, first up is Karen Bowling. She is the executive director at Nebraska Family Alliance, which uh, if you don't know, is one of the state family policy councils. We are so honored to host their alliance across the nation. Um, and they're just doing wonderful work. I'm sure we'll get into that more here uh, throughout this episode. Um, and I'm also joined by Jennifer Roche, who is executive director of the Spira Vita Institute. Um, and they help pr pregnancy centers become highly effective at rescuing women and children from abortion. So you're going to get to hear both the, the policy side, but also the people side today. And I'm really excited to have both of you on to talk about this. Um, I would love for you both to just talk, tell us a little bit more about yourselves and then also your organizations. Um, I'll start with you, Karen, and then I'd love for you to jump in, Jennifer. Well, Meridian, it's great to be with you today. And as we look back, we're a year uh, post the Dobbs decision and those of us in the pro-life movement who have been fighting for decades, we celebrate that decision. But that doesn't mean our work is over. Actually, our work is just beginning. And I am honored to serve as the executive director at Nebraska Family Alliance. We're a faith-based policy and research education uh, organization. And we really try to be a voice for biblical values in the public square. So that takes us to the state capitol, to library hearings, to city council meetings, just advocating for family freedom and life because we know when human flourishing, when families thrive, and when life is protected, that's a prosperous city. That's a prosperous state and nation. And that's what we choose to do to advocate for every day. And it's an honor to what I like to say, kind of at the tip of the spear in many of the culture wars, you know, but advocating for God's, God's biblical values and for his people across the state and nation. That's so true. Y'all are really at the front lines of, like you said, the, the culture wars and of the of, of protecting people um, on the policy front of of setting setting those bounds of of how we can protect people and advance um, advance uh, families. So I'd love to hear from you, Jennifer, too. Just to talk talk a little bit about what what you do. Sure. Well, I couldn't agree anymore with Karen. Uh, we still have our work cut out for us in the pro life movement. Um, but I am the executive director of the Spira Vida Institute, and we are an organization um, that provides intensive training and ongoing coaching and support for pregnancy centers, specifically in a patient process that is proven and very effective at reaching abortion-determined women and giving them what they need to choose life. So to date, we have trained 78 pregnancy centers Actually, after next week, it'll be 82. We have four more coming to see us here in Omaha. 
Um, that is 77 in the United States, and we have one international center at this time. That's outstanding. Uh, and if, if you are listening to this and don't know what a pregnancy center does, um, we're going to get more into that, I'm, I'm sure. But uh, pregnancy centers uh, are really also on the front lines, but in a, in a different a different aspect um, of actually going and protecting women who are abortion-minded often and getting them the, the resources and support they need. Um, it's just really an incredible ministry. So um, I, I'm going to jump back to you, Karen. Um, I would love for you to bring us up to speed on what your organization has been up to recently um, on the life front and, and what kind of work you've been doing there. Well, I appreciate that question, Meridian. I think that's our heartbeat, is to ensure that every life is protected and valued. And we currently had, um, before this legislative cycle, a 20-week pain-capable ban. So abortions were legal in Nebraska up to 20 weeks. And so this week in the legislative session, we combined kind of protection uh, for ge from gender procedures and the life issue at 12 weeks gestation, the Let Them Grow Act, and successfully advanced that. And it is now in law in Nebraska. And on the pregnancy side, on the gestation side, actually it had an emergency clause. So it has gone into effect immediately. And then we've also worked, and this is where what Jennifer does is, is so beautiful. And I actually serve on a board, the Nebraska Pregnancy Alliance team. And what we do is making sure that pregnancy resource centers have what they need because they now are on the front line. And so we have the Pregnancy Help Act, and we're really excited next year to get that across the finish line that actually will provide a $10 million tax credit for people that give to pregnancy resource centers. Because the care for women and children, I like to refer to this, we've always cared for women and children, but we're upping it because this is the second chapter of the effective pro-life movement. And now in America, this is the beautiful thing that pregnancy resource centers, pregnancy help organizations outnumber abortion centers three to one in America. It's a powerful, powerful statement. And we're working to help them be successful too. Well, and I like that you brought that up, and, and maybe Jennifer, you you have you have some some comments on this too on the Pregnancy Help Act because I, I think people people are well aware, um, especially pro life people, that Planned Parenthood gets gets federal dollars that there can be money flowing toward these uh, pro abortion centers, um, but uh, it's not not always the same way for pregnancy resource centers, which are actually the ones that are saving lives and actually uh, doing that good work of. Um, actually protecting women and actually advocating for children. Um, I, I, I would love love to hear hear you both comment on what kind of impact that would make um, for pregnancy resource centers to be able to have that. I would say pregnancy resource centers, you know, I, I'd never love, I hate it actually when um, we sometimes have lost the language war. And the pro-abortion movement, you know, so often refers to women's health care. But what pregnancy centers are doing, the information that they are giving to women is actually good health care. Um, they are providing women with the essential information that they need to know as they make a decision 
um, about their unplanned pregnancy. And sometimes that information is life-saving, not only for their child, but for the women as well. And so the work they do is so vital. And then just the ongoing support services that so many pregnancy centers offer as well. You know, when it comes to material support, parenting classes, really just activating communities around these women who need help. So um, I think the more support that pregnancy centers can get, it is just, it is a great investment in our communities, in our nation, and in the future. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you both a version of the same question, which is how has Dobbs impacted your work? But before I do that, I'm going to back up just for anyone in our audience who Maybe you're peripherally aware of this, but you don't actually know what the the actual impact of this was. Um, of course, Roe v. Wade would uh, essentially inserted the Supreme Court uh, into into the abortion debate, and, and the Supreme Court uh, itself started setting kind of limits of where uh, states could and could not states states and the federal government could and could not uh, ban abortions. And so that that's been slowly rolled back a little bit over the years. Uh, but it's continued to be the court setting that limit rather than a state like Nebraska saying we want to stop abortions after 12 weeks or, you know, hopefully we want to stop abortions uh, completely uh, at some point. And Roe v. Wade completely limited states and limited the federal government from being able to do that. So the Dobbs decision, I'm oversimplifying here, but essentially the Dobbs decision gives that power back to the people and says the states and the federal government now actually can can make those kinds of decisions. This is really a decision for the people to make. Um, so with that background, Karen, how has Dobbs impacted your policy work, both both just in this past year and then also as you look forward? I think what's paramount here is that it's given us the opportunity not only to work on public policy to protect innocent life, to protect the preborn, that size shouldn't determine whether you're viable or not, but it's the opportunity to cast vision. So to imagine with us a state, a nation, where we begin to think beyond, we begin to think abortion is unthinkable, and that if a woman finds herself at an unexpected pregnancy, her first thought is to visit a pregnancy resource center, a pregnancy help organization, instead of an abortion center or a Planned Parenthood. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to cast vision. So not only for care of women and children, but to look at law and public policy so that we begin to coordinate together to support thriving families. And then elections come into play. That's very important. We need to be electing pro-life candidates. And the most important thing that I think that you as a mom, as a dad, as a parent, as a grandparent, is education. And to create an environment about the science and beauty of human development. You know, we've had 50 years of Roe that tried to reduce this down to just a blob of tissue. What a wonderful moment we have now to educate that science goes with birth. It totally demonstrates, you know, a little one can be sucking their thumb at only 12 weeks, 12 weeks gestation. So it's powerful. And we're continuing to include in our radio programs, all of our outreach, the beauty of life. 
and helping people to begin to think about life much differently. That is so beautifully said, Karen. And I liked what, what you led with that the dream is, is that the that women will will see this well, well, when they find out that they're pregnant and it's unexpected or not, not what they wanted. Uh, that the first thought won't be should I abort or how can I how can I abort or um, anything like that, but instead knowing I can do this. Um, I know there's a support system, so I'm going to reach out to that support system. Um, which uh, Jennifer, I'd love for you to speak to that and how Dobbs has impacted uh, impacted pregnancy resources resource centers and will continue to do so. Yeah, I think um, Dobbs impacted pregnancy resource centers in many ways. I remember when the decision um, came down on June 24th, um, just, you know, like many people, I was glued to my TV the whole day um, and just really processing, really taking it in. I was so thankful um, as Karen talked about, you know, this is something that we have just prayed for, um, for decades and decades. Um, I do believe a curse has, you know, it kind of lifted a curse off of our nation. Um, and at the same time, I was really processing what this would mean for pregnancy resource centers, because I talk to different centers every day. I work with them every day. And so first and foremost, um, I do think that centers, um, it, it is saving lives. You know, there are women who will not seek abortion and um, who will have need of support ser services and increased, um, you know, the centers need to increase their um, referral network so that women get the support that they need. I also knew that centers would be facing challenges um, that were new and different um, than they had faced in the past. We kind of thought when Texas passed the heartbeat, their heartbeat law, and um, and we have Spiravita. We actually work with centers in um, some of the surrounding states, and they would call us and say, "What do we do?" You know, because now we're having women cross the border and come to us from Texas, like we have not experienced before. So, what do we do about our marketing? You know, how do we reach them before they go to the abortion clinics? And so. I knew that that dynamic would go national and that um, the reality of abortion tourism um, would increase. And so um, centers, that that is just a new challenge. They're having, if they're in a state um, with conservative pro-life laws, they are needing to look at how do we reach those women um, and, and get them to come to us before they would look to travel. And if they're in a blue state, how do we get those women that have crossed the border and come are coming to us um, more than they ever have in the past. And so there really is a need too for centers across state lines to share information and to work together and to coordinate their efforts. We are so glad you're enjoying Conversations with Craig. Your experience doesn't have to stop here. To stay connected with other listeners, hear about current events affecting your family, and to share pictures and videos with your friends, follow Family Policy Alliance on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out the links in the show notes, and we'll see you online. I, I, as kind of as a follow-up to that, I want to ask you, you know, we, we have a lot of people who are listening who probably are in states that whether they are in a state um, like I, I'm actually in Texas, uh, so state that has very strongly pro-life laws or 
Um, if you're in another state uh, that st still has still has solid pro-life protections, um, what can the just the ordinary person listening to this do or say if, if they if they talk to a friend who's um, maybe abortion-minded or, or considering abortion? What what's the first thing they should 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 be saying and offering to them? To that friend, I would say you know first of all just informing them um, of the information that they need before they make a decision, because it is true that they really need to know how far along they are. They really need to know um, if, you know, they have an ectopic pregnancy and if they're at risk, they need to know, um, you know, if they have an STD. And these are all things, services that pregnancy centers can offer, um, you know, and, and it just, it is so important for a woman's health and really in the abortion, pro-abortion movement, there has been a move away from that where now they're saying you can get the pill online and never see a doctor. You can do all of this stuff in the privacy of your own home. And that is so dangerous to women. It is so dangerous. It is so the opposite of healthcare. And so to really receive the care that they need, um, that's just one thing I would share is is just encouraging them to get that information and to visit their pregnancy resource center um, while they are making a decision. That's so wise. And I appreciate you bringing in the chemical abortion part of that because uh, that really is the biggest threat right now uh, to to life in a, in a lot of states, um, you know, states that may have really solid protections, but uh, there's, you know, still a few weeks very early on where women might be able to legally get a get chemical abortion um, and they can get that without seeing a doctor, like you said, in, in many cases, or um, even in cases where it's technically not legal, women may be trying to do that, trying to cross state lines or trying to order online. Um, and so you're absolutely right that that is that is something that we have to have to consider. Uh, both in our personal conversations and and on this bigger policy policy and national stage, uh, I want to shift into kind of a, a more of a storytelling time. I would love to hear from each of you uh, how you've seen women's lives changed or babies' lives saved because of your respective work. And I know you both are coming at this kind of from different angles. Uh, I, I'll, I'll start I'll start with you, Jennifer, and then Karen. I'd love for you to chime in too. Sure. Um... Well, first of all, let me say, because we work primarily with pregnancy centers, what I have seen is just, um, you know, as we train and equip centers, I think they're very aware that the way that they've operated um, pre-Dobbs, you know, needs to change. And so what we have seen is just those pregnancy centers emboldened um, to go after those women who feel like abortion is their only option and to um, serve them well. And so so that's what has really encouraged us. Um, but we get reports all the time. I mean, we've had close to 30 babies born in Ireland. And um, and we just got a report from one of our um, Alabama centers that their number of, um, or their percentage of women making a choice for life who had previously been abortion determined, meaning they were headed to get an abortion, it has gone up 20%. And so, so we look at numbers all the time, but we know that each one of those numbers represents a life. You know, that is a life that is a mother and a child that is a family. And so we're so excited every time we hear um, stories like that. I love that. Karen, I'm going to toss it to you. 
Well, I love um, just Jennifer and all of her connections with pregnancy help organizations across the nation. I mean, they are the first line. And I think what's really important here for all of us in the pro-life moving movement is compassion wins. And so I'm going to go real personal. This goes clear back to 1973 when the Roe decision came down. I was actually in high school and in my American civics class as we were listening the next day to the decision. Our instructor, he said, as we were leaving and people were expressing their opinions, he said, I wonder if 40 or 50 years from now, science will undeniably reveal that it's not a blob of tissue, but a little girl or a little boy. And that hooked my heart as a teenage girl to recognize we can do something about this culture. And so for 50 years of advocacy, we're at the moment, but what always wins the day is compassion. We often are criticized that we are only pro-birth. We are far from that. And so I love using my platform that God has given us at Nebraska Family Alliance and my voice expressing what pregnancy resource centers do. It's so inspiring. And I encourage people to visit Pregnancy Resource Center, volunteer at a resource center. And as I speak to churches across the state of Nebraska, I say, take them on as a mission. That is a mission field. Take them on, donate to them as a church. But in closing, I want to say to be a friend. God will always put you in the path of people that want a helping hand. And through the years over the last 50 years, I have probably gone with women, I would say 30 or 40 times of people that have come across my path that I go with them to that first appointment to the Pregnancy Resource Center. And I will tell you, every woman that I've grabbed their hand, talked them through that, every one of them has chosen life. We can't underestimate the power of compassion and being available to serve women that find themselves in an unexpected place. But it's about pursuing a community where life is cherished. And you know, that's one person at a time, one person at a time. I couldn't agree with you more, Karen. And when you asked me about what would you tell a friend earlier you know, there is that factual, you know, information that that is good for her to know, but also just letting somebody know that they're not alone is is huge because um, often, you know, women are choosing abortion. It's it's most of the time a decision that's birthed out of fear and um, and lack of support. And so so it's just so powerful to come alongside somebody and and just walk with them in that. If you're listening to this, I mean, you can tell that these women are the real deal. <laughs> they're not just just talking the talk; they're they're walking it. And wow, Karen, that was a, it's a powerful testimony um, of actually going with women to the first appointment um, and seeing every single one of them choose life. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a testament too to the kind of work that um, happens at pregnancy centers, like you're working with Jennifer. Um, that's just 
is really, really incredible and underscores the need to have more more places like that and more people who are who are willing to be the one to encourage a friend to go there to even go there with them themselves. Um, that's, uh, I, I feel challenged. That's, that's really, really incredible. Um, I, as you both were talking about this, I, I was looking it up and I, I saw there's a statistic that um, over, over 90,000 babies' lives have been saved. Um, and that was, that was just between Dobbs and this spring. So probably even, even more since in the last few months. Um, that's, so that's probably almost a hundred thousand babies, um, whose lives have been saved. And like you were saying, Karen, it's not just that, oh, you know, a hundred thousand babies were born. It's a hundred thousand babies who now get to live, uh, their full lives ahead of them. Um, who wouldn't have had that opportunity, uh, if it weren't for the DOPS decision, if it weren't for people like you doing what you're doing, protecting, making, making it an option for those babies to be protected and then making it an option for women to get the support they need so that those babies can be protected. That's really incredible. Um, I, it's kind of a closing question for you both. I would love for each of you to share um, how people can be praying for and supporting you and organizations like yours. Um, Jennifer first. Sure. I'll just say... Um, Please, we always, you know, we're so thankful for prayer. <laughs> so please keep us in your prayers. I think especially post-Dobbs, um, our work has just gotten busier. We have a need to grow. Um, there's a there's an increasing demand um, for pregnancy centers to be equipped. So I just hired um, a new, another full-time staff person um, to meet that demand. And so um, I would pray for us, pray for refreshing um, for my team um, and and pray for our pregnancy centers that are on the front lines. You know, um, there are so many ways to come alongside them, but prayer is by far the most important. Um, pray for them, pray for their staff, pray for their resources. And, um, and then like Karen mentioned earlier, you know, there are opportunities to serve too in your community. So you know, whether that be volunteering or donating or giving material support, um, I would just say also support your local pregnancy center. Great. Thank you, Jennifer. I I want to highly encourage you to pray for Jennifer and her team because they really are at the tip of the spear in reaching pregnancy resource centers and giving them tools to be very effective in what they do in a post-pro world. For Nebraska Family Alliance and all of us in the Family Policy Council movement, pray for us. Pray for us to remain faithful to what God has called us to do. Pray for us to have courage. I think in a very toxic an environment right now, um, sometimes you, you, you need extra courage. And um, as in Billy Graham said in his last memoir, courage is contagious. And when a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. So pray for us to have courage in our work. And then I want you to pray specifically for mothers and fathers who are facing an unplanned pregnancy. Pray that they will recognize this is a gift from God and there is a God destiny in the life that this mother carries. And also the other thing that I think is so important for us to pray for is to actually pray for abortion clinic employees, that God would change their heart. All of us know the stories of many um, abortion clinic workers 
where God apprehended their hearts and they experienced the forgiveness of God. And now they are pro-life champions. We want to pray for that and pray for our leaders, our elected leaders to vote pro-life, to advocate for the pre-born and to advocate for policies that help families thrive. I think that's so important. And um, pray for Family Policy Alliance leading the charge too, yeah. just in needing the discernment um, that they need, you know, as we navigate new terrains, just in the culture we are. But I want us to all be encouraged knowing that God is doing something very yeah. special, very, very special. And even though it's a battle in front of us, the pathway has been laid. When Roe crumbles, the pathway has been laid for us to see a nation begin to comprehend that abortion can be unthinkable. Oh, I want to live to see that day. Mm -hmm. Me too. Amen. Amen to that. Um, and if you are, if you're in Nebraska, be sure to get involved with, with Karen's organization um, and, and wherever you are, uh, look up Spirit Vita as well. I'm in Nebraska. In <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and if you're not in Nebraska and you're looking for a state group like Nebraska Family Alliance to get involved with, uh, we'll have the link in the comments uh, to get involved with the Family Policy Council that's in your state and doing a similar amazing pro-life, pro-family work uh, in your state. So be sure to get involved there. Thank you, ladies, uh, for joining us today. I, I share with you in the, the joy and anticipation of knowing just, just how much incredible work has been accomplished just in one year uh, with, with the Dobbs decision and knowing that there's so much work that lies ahead of us and uh, many workers and many prayers and many hands needed for that. So um, thank you for joining us. Thank you to our audience for listening to this. If you enjoyed this, uh, please do share, like, and comment. I know I'm a broken record that I say this every time, but the social media companies don't like us. Uh, and they especially don't like us talking about life issues in particular. So um, if you want to get this message out, uh, sharing it is the best way to help make sure that that message uh, is, is out there and does get heard. Um, with that, I'll leave you all. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Brought to you by Family Policy Alliance. Our vision is a nation where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, families thrive, and life is cherished.